Welcome to Talk Design Show, where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey, your host, and having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening and please enjoy. My guests on Talk Design today are James LaRue and Emily Hayden from James LaRue Architecture in Austin, Texas. I could go into a long list of things about this company. They've been around for a long time. They do amazing work, actually superb, beautiful work. But we're going to concentrate on a talk today just around the Clarksville residents, but also a bit of history about these guys, how they've got here, what they did, where they came from. So, James, Emily, welcome to the show. And by the time we get casual, there'll be Jim and Emily. Okay, right. welcome Thanks. to the show. Thanks, Adrian. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, we're really excited. It uh, should be good fun. Lots of laughs, at least. Maybe at my expense. So let's start with ladies first. Emily, put you in the hot seat straight out. Boom. Tell us a little bit of history about you and how you came to uh, work with James. And, um, sure thing. Yeah. Okay. I uh, have been at LaRue Architects now for over 13 years. I started in 2008. Previously, before that, I'm from Tucson, Arizona, originally. Yeah. It's actually hot. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. (laughs) um, Then I traveled over to uh, New Orleans for college and I got my master's in architecture from uh, Tulane University. Mm-hmm. what's that shout out shout out to yeah Julie. yeah and, see if they'll sponsor uh, you yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> then I, I moved back after i graduated moved back to tucson and uh worked doing um some commercial work for about four and a half years okay. and then picked up and moved to austin texas oh, and wow. i found jim larue and i've been here ever since James just nailed your foot to the floor and that was it. You can't get away. Yeah. She's come a long way. She's come a long way. <laughs> she's taught you a lot, you mean. She has. <laughs> for someone so young. Yeah, that's cool. At one point I was young. <laughs> yeah. 13 years of grind will do that to you though, huh? It's a great place to work. Been um, didn't start out doing residential, but when I ended up here, this is my passion now. Isn't that's an interesting thing as well, isn't it? That, um, you know, both and all architecture, I say all architecture, a lot of architecture deals with people. It all does, but like how intimate it becomes, you know, like in a, a, say something like an abattoir, which isn't usually an architectural masterpiece, but it deals with people, but it's not necessarily intimate, it's function. And then you go to like high rise buildings and, you know, um, offices and, those kind of things. And again, it's got a purpose, but it doesn't actually lock in to that same thing as a, as the people. Then when you work for people that is like a couple or a family or, a, you know, an individual, then it becomes intimate and you go, wow, this is a journey that's even different again. I think it's good for some and terrible for others. Well, it's a learning experience the entire way through. And, and you really nailed it. Um, you know, I think that's what I love so much about residential architecture, you, you know, knowing who these buildings will be inhabited by, mm-hmm. you know, when you're doing commercial work or, you know, um, any, any other type of work, you don't know who's going to actually inhabit that space. So we get intimate details from our clients, everything that you want to know about their lifestyle. Yeah. This is a custom home for them. Yeah. Right. It's, um, it's uh, a one-off unique piece of architecture for them. And, and I love that interaction and really getting to know them. I think and, that's the joy of it, you know, like yeah. is um, I, I was talking to Jeffrey Dungan oh, last year sometime from Alabama. I don't know whether you know his work, but beautiful work. And I said to him something like this was a, sh- a light bulb shift moment for me. He's, I said to him something about you must get some beautiful projects. And he said, yeah, yeah. And, and he said, but it's not about the projects. And I went, oh. And he said, it's about the people. 
because with great people come great projects. Exactly. Yeah, that should be on our tagline on every <laughs> residential architect's tagline. Isn't it? Isn't it? If it isn't about that, then you missed what it's about. You know, we think about it, when I think about it too, we draw these houses for these, say, nice couple, and they got some young children. And yeah. we're designing that home. And then these kids are growing up and this piece of architecture. So you almost have to think about, well, what's that experience going to be like for them? And so they almost see this ingrained appreciation for what we hope are great spaces at yeah. considered buildings. And, you know, I think it's sort of, it's, it's a little bit of a blessing for those young children to be able to have that opportunity. I think that's so it, such a, it impacts them in a meaningful way. Hugely, hugely. I think that's a really valid point. You know, you know when you get a client who um, tells you about, you know, their grandmother's house or something like that, that this architect designed and that it was all these things that their current home isn't. And you go, and they search their whole life to um, replicate these amazing things into their environment. You know, and they're aware of light, they're aware of air, they're aware of vistas, they're aware of like how things flow and they become really aware of when it doesn't. And um, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's a gift to be able to make that for people. And as you say, with, you know, we, we often ask a um, client, we'll say, we always ask, I shouldn't say often, how long is this home going to be a home for? That's really key. If they've got kids, how old are the kids? So what's the transitions? Let's work 10, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. Let's see what that is. Let's plan for now and then also with an eye to 15. Um, yeah, depending on the type of house and where it is and all the rest, some of them might go, look, we'll be gone from here in 10 years at least. So you go, oh, well, okay. We don't have to necessarily take care of that other part, or they may have another home they're going to move to at another point or something, and when the kids leave school or something. But I think it's such a such a beautiful gift to be able to give to anybody to live in wonderful architecture. Frequently, it's generational. Yeah, yeah. Some of these homes yeah. never leave. Actually, I, I want to have a discussion about that, but let, I'm going to come straight back to it when you have told us who you are, Jim. Um, where you came from, I know you're a Texan, like a real Friend Texan. Ray. A real Texan. Have you got boots on? Uh, not today. Uh, <laughs> they don't fit under my skinny jeans, so <laughs> it doesn't look good for the architect to tuck the jean. That's not a good one. So, That's not a good look. No, Texans do not tuck the jeans. So uh, exactly. I think I've seen it once or twice on you before. Oh no. Who, who does tuck the jean? Well, the woman can. Woman no, yeah, the ladies might certainly because they yeah. wear a skirt, you know. But yeah. yeah, you see, yeah, unless the water's coming up really high or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what is it? Is there states that do tuck the jean? Is there? Is there like? Uh, I'm sure there question. are. Yeah, not, probably not Oklahoma, sure. but I wouldn't swear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably is Oklahoma. You try. Right. Each their own. But if you want to talk, you want to talk, talk, you should talk. <laughs> Oh, look, I, I hardly ever wear boots. Um, I've got them, but I, I don't wear them very often, and I can't do the tuck. No, no. You know, it's not just, there's probably seven or eight, ten pair in the closet. Yeah. Depending on what, whether we're working or dancing. Or or, yeah. Side boots. So, yeah, I grew up dancing here. Dancing boots. Dancing boots. Went to high school in South Texas and Laredo, Texas, right on yep. the border with Mexico. Great place. Really I haven't been to Laredo. I, I, it's somewhere I'd like to go to because I think it must have that you know huge Spanish influence as well. Um, and it was an early, early settled town, wasn't it? Like it's a very old town. Laredo's been there forever and ever. Uh, but it was a, it was pretty small when I was there. It's quite quite an international place now. A lot, so many things, goods come from Mexico through Laredo. But anyway, it, it was a fun place to grow up. It was wild and you know hot and dusty and you know we spent our time fishing and bird hunting and running around on the ranch so you know outside a lot then i went to school texas a&m uh so aggie. Aggie. school aggie uh, and then afterwards i worked in corpus christi for a couple of years doing uh, some commercials some mid-rise stuff then mm-hmm. uh, uh and I came to Austin. It wasn't really for me. I mean, you know, and it was tough. It was the late 70s, so it was a skinny economy, and getting to, to work in architecture was a real challenge. Yeah, right. 
So who did, you work, who did you work for? Did you just hang your shingle up? It was just a small little firm that, uh, you know, had been in Corpus Christi for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, I did a little internship with them one summer and I got the job because I was a pretty good uh, renderer. Yeah. So this is, you know, there's no computers and it's pen and yeah. ink on board and, and uh, you know, they didn't have anybody that could do that. So that opened the door. Uh, it was a good little firm. I learned a lot. He was a pretty good architect. And, uh, and then I came to Austin and worked for a residential guy just to test the water. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I found, you know, oh, I think I might have found my place here. I'd always loved houses. I built homes for a few years. I was a contractor. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I left the architecture profession and said, you know, I'm going to go do, I'm going to really dive deep on this residential. <laughs> I'm going to take all the risks. <laughs> yeah. So we did that. I built like, eight or nine houses over a few years. Um, I'm not sure architects make great builders, so maybe they do, but I didn't. And it's it's really challenging. You're learning to be an architect. You're learning to be a builder. And, yeah. Um, maybe you're a little too, too over the top as an architect in terms of trying to get folks to execute. And so I, I felt like, you know, I'm going to go back to my roots and I'm just going to return to architecture. So I did that in 86. And then I started my own firm in 89. Okay, so 89 till now. Wow, that's good. And you're still using a pencil and paper or you are? Uh... Oh, absolutely. Yes, we, we still, you know, we, it's a great question. We left that for a while. You know, we CAD, we CAD, we CAD. Then we uh -huh. moved to Revit and then we, so uh, it gets more sophisticated. And I was a pretty good CAD guy, but I felt like it was a little too definitive. The clients would sit down and it's like, well, this is it. I mean, are we done? Because it looks so yeah. fun. Yeah. And they never got a chance to interact with it. So we pulled back and said, you know what, we're going to play to our strength and we're going to draw these things by hand. And we still yeah. do. I can't, I really think it better with the pencil. I, I, I'm a, I'm a pencil guy. Like I, we'd send nothing to a client in CAD until we're in CAD. Otherwise we're in pencil the whole way. We go pencil, the whole bit oh, right, right until the last minute, you know, when they've signed off the pencil, then we go, we can work, we can go to CAD now. Um, but we do so that we for made a couple leap. of reasons. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, you know, we made the leap. We were really, when we went from yeah. straight CAD to BIM, when we moved to the, to that platform, we're going, you know, I don't know, is this a design tool or is it not a design tool? Well, it turns out what is it been doing? Like six, five or six, seven years? Yeah, it's been about uh, seven years. Seven so years. The, almost seven years. It's a design tool, a yeah. powerful design yeah. tool. Oh, um, amazing design tool, like no doubt about it. Eh? Like I, I'm, I'm, it's incredible, like what you can do with a computer. I'm not sure it meets the cardboard model, but but it's certainly faster. Yeah. Clients are fascinated by it. And clients are Especially in Austin, Texas, and we're a tech community, and that's true. Our, actually, that's a really important sort of um, sideline on that. You know, like as you say, like in Austin, Texas, because it is such a tech community, and where I live here, it, we are pushing like tech like crazy as a space. You know, like that the whole region, and so you get people who are very, very tech savvy. You know, they're very tech driven. That they. Everything happens between, you know, the phone and the whatever and the whatever and the whatever, but nothing happens without any of those things. And I think that other thing that I've always noticed is, is when we're in pencil, A, there's the magic of it being artwork, um, and B, the next thing that happens is they stay in conceptual. They stay with you in this journey of conceptual because it's not defined so tightly. And the minute they move to you move to the CAD drawings, they, they're suddenly looking at tiny, like very, very, very hard straight lines. Um, and some of the romance goes. Start to lose them a little bit. They'll they'll bog in the details. Yeah, that's what happens. They get caught in a Our little detail. Them, they'll let them do that. That'll come. You know, yeah, you yeah, yeah. Move There's a time for that. There is. <laughs> um, I love the pencil. Anyway. So I, I wanted to go back to what I said I'm going to come back to, which was, um, you know, these these homes that are like beautiful homes that are for families and maybe generational homes. And we have a lot of people who go, oh, you know, it's my dream home, 
that's one thing it's my forever home that's another thing and then we coined a phrase oh probably a couple of years ago where a client of mine actually gave it to me but it was a legacy home and he said well this place is a legacy it's it's a it's a farm or a ranch in your case um and you know we we've locked this thing up the kids can't sell it this house to sell this house will be an unbelievable challenge um that we've locked it up so tight that this thing just stays in the family they can knock the house down they can rebuild it they can do whatever but to get rid of this land it'll take an effort trust me there'll be more money than they'll want to spend he was committed yeah well he just went it's an amazing part of the of the landscape and he wants to continue to build on this landscape um to to build like you know a legacy property that maybe that's partly ego on his part but on the other part of it it's to go this thing's so beautifully positioned and all the rest why would we ever lose it out of the family heritage projects you know jim's been here in texas he's lived here for his entire life there's a number of clients that have done the same thing so those families are passing down their properties and you know grandchildren their grandchildren yeah now we hear from the kids right yeah can we do another building so we have to think about that when we design you know in the building materials that we use Mm -hmm. and the longevity of those building materials yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, the other thing I always think of is, is like when we go to Europe or somewhere, you know, you take the, the these multi, you know, multi-century old homes that they have and you go, you know, yes, it's been altered and all the rest, but the core of it, that's still sitting in the same spot that it was at the start and the core of it's the same. And yes, it's been made to work for modern times and the modern times we're going to see in, a hundred years from now, we've got no idea what they're going to look like. Even our wildest vision isn't going to get us there. So will these amazing homes be these like um, lighthouses within that, um, that, that just record and hold history? And yeah, they'll get altered. They'll get updated. You know, the kitchen will be redone. The bathrooms will be redone. They might be shifted around. But yeah, where are we at in that sort of um, making something that lasts forever? Forever might be an extreme, but last forever. Good long while, you know. It, it, every client, most of our clients are, you know, it's my dream home, it's my forever home, it's my. I'm going to raise my family here, home, and then we'll rethink it after that. Um, and then sometimes even design with that in mind. We know yeah. what's going to happen. We know mom might come to live with us, and we we know that generationally that house is going to morph. Uh, so it's designed to receive that, you know, we're, we, we know it's going to happen. So let's, let's uh, put it on the site in the right way so that it can happen. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's make provision so that yeah. even if it's, even if it's not us in the future, that, that provision that somebody else with a great eye will see the opportunity and they'll oh, go, yeah. Oh, this was so well worked out because that meant we can do this over here now. Yeah. I like that. Mm. Well, let's talk about the Clarksville residence home. And Clarksville, for those who are listening, um, is a suburb really close to uh, downtown Austin, beautiful views of Austin, um, and a, a, a beautiful, like, mature neighbourhood, a, a very sought-after neighbourhood. Um, yeah, so- it's so close in. I mean, it's really at the core of the city now. Yeah. Um, and it's the, maybe the one first or second oldest neighbourhood in the city. Um, so hard. I mean, it is it is central. Uh, it's it's a beautiful spot. You know, a lot of history that all that architecture needs to be protected. There's still some folks that have lived there for a long, long time. Talk about generational uh, occupation of a little neighborhood. It's still going on there. Speak of the previous homeowner. Oh he yeah, lived in exactly. The, house. the previous homeowner lived in the house. Oh gosh. Oh. Well, five more years than we all say. Yeah, it was a while. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, so, so know. let's let's talk about the house in particular because we'll post a whole bunch of photos on this as well. Um, let's talk about this house in particular and just take us on the 
whether you knew the client before, take us on the journey, take us on the, the briefing journey, um, right through to this beautiful marrying of a traditional home with some really modern, um, and, but just so beautifully married together. Uh, it, like, so the property encompasses both parts of that. It, it, it's a unique property. So I did know the clients. Um, they, we, they actually lived next door to me when my daughter was born. And they were going to graduate school at the University of Texas at the time. Then um, they, they moved, we moved, they raised their family, hit the big home, got the kids out, the kids are gone, and, and they love Austin, and they love that part of Austin where they lived as college kids. So um, they were looking and digging, and they met this. There were, there were two lots adjoining each other. One had a, a really beat-up rental on it just below the hill of this little house, which was also not, not in good shape. So they spent a great deal of time getting to know the owner and developing a relationship, and then they bought both properties. Wow. When I went with Dan to the site, and Sylvia, Emily was there, we looked, we were going to do it on the lot below, and because that's the house they were negotiating on. And then Dan said, look, that they own that house up there. Let's go look and see. And I'm like, ah, I don't think the view is going to be. No, okay. So we go up, and it's a game changer. I mean, the view is dramatically different. So they got both properties and, right. and the house below came down. It, 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 it needed to come down. And it yeah, was yeah, outside, yeah. outside the historic district. This house is in the last house on that part of Clarksville that's still in the historic district. Fantastic. Uh, so this cute little frame, awkwardly framed little off-center bungalow. It's trying to be crazy. You know, it's a little hip roof structure and the dormer's right in the middle. Yep. And then, but the, but the porch, the building had a little wraparound porch. So it threw the front door out of line with the dormer. I can see that so, just from the photo when, I'm looking at right now. <laughs> yeah. We're going, hey, you know, we really want to move this door. And they go, well, that's really not going to happen. So they didn't we, allow it. They didn't allow it. They wanted to keep it just like it was. We wanted the essence of what it was. And, you know, at the end of the day, they were right. We were wrong. And and we kept it. And we, then we stripped all the bad stuff off of it, the wrong railings, the wrong columns. Yeah. Um, anything that wasn't original. Anything that wasn't there day one when granddad built the house in the early 1900s. We were going to peel that house back to its 900 square foot, 1100 square foot little bundle that it was. We took the bad additions off. We took the porches off the side. and we Everybody's it little hack at it over the years. Yeah. Well, and it was the home. Cleaned it up. Yeah, it never changed families. And so it was oh, them, right. you know, meeting their needs as their family grew. Yeah. Uh, and then everybody's gone. And now we're left with the beautiful little lady that lived there. And uh, so it, it really worked. I mean, we, we kept it. And once we got it sort of pure again, at least in the design phase, mm -hmm. and it had to be remodeled. It, it was, it had significant fire damage and it's a hundred years old. I mean, it's yeah. going to have some issues. Uh, sitting on a pyramid beam foundation system, which really was to our advantage, and that that worked out beautifully. So the client said, "You know, we want to live here. I want to walk to restaurants and ride my one wheel and just like engage the community." And um, so it's just the two of them. So we're going to just we need to add on to this house, and and they like what we do. So it was going to be sort of a soft modern, what we want something modern or hill country contemporary uh, piece. And when, when I, the very first time I saw it, the, it, the little house sits on a dead end street and on the backside is an alley. Front's on the street, front's on an alley in the back. And then to the east is this just beautiful view of the ever-changing Austin mm -hmm. skyline mm -hmm. and the Capitol and the University of Texas. So it's just spectacular. We, I mean, you, you walked you on it as a residential architect would walk on there and go, you, this, it just told you exactly what had to happen. We hardly yeah. had to think about yeah. it. Yeah. The, the, so the, the site already, already knew what it needed. The uh, building knew what it, and so they wanted a beautiful pool. So we set the pool, because that's probably the single largest element uh, outside of the building. And then we built the house around it, around the pool and the view. Mm -hmm. So the real challenge was, well, you know, I mean, the natural reaction, I think, is to look at that building and go, well, it's a little hip building, 6 and 12, 7 and 12 pitch, something like that. Uh, 
we'll just do that and we'll just marry this edition. We'll just that. keep we'll just keep doing that. Yeah. We'll, do we'll just more keep doing that. that. Well, no. We're we're standing there, we're in a neighborhood. I look across the street, it's a beautiful house with the Texas Historic Commission marker on it, stunning stone home, uh, beautifully redeveloped. Uh, so that's the nature of that neighborhood. But to look the other way, brand new, beautiful commercial buildings and mid-rises and high-rises by some great architects and uh, dynamic changing skyline. And we're like, well, well we're going to respond to that architecturally with the addition. We're not going to respond to the neighborhood. We already oh. did that with bungalow. Yeah. So you bridged but it to the city. How do you sort of jam those two things together? We all we kind of poked fun at it, thinking it was a little bit of a, a billboard architecture, uh, you know, in that, this is the front because you can't even see the addition yeah. uh, with respect to the historic commission. We hinted at it. We got them to let us have a little glass box plugged on the side of the house that you can kind of go, something's going on. And, but behind the facade, they're like, you are free to do whatever you like, which was really great. So we did. And, and, uh, and it was a, how to pull those two things together and make it work as a whole. But, as you know, retrospective piece in the front and a forward-looking piece in the back. Yeah, but you know something when you were saying about the um, how the dormer window and the front door, you know, are not aligned like you would traditionally try and do in a classical-styled home. There's something about the tension of that, and I certainly know from the photos. And Casey took the photos. Casey Dunn, shout out yeah, to him. He's um, phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but shout out to Casey because yeah, he he could make even something so so look really beautiful. Um, yeah. But in this case, you've got beauty and beauty, and you know, like you've got the, the the trees in the front and the offset angle and stuff. And there's just it it actually just carries enough tension that it makes it hold your eye, and you get to observe more than if it was just lined up. You might look right past it. You might just it accept draws it so you around quickly. the corner. It's really it quite does. beautiful. Uh, it, it, otherwise, it would have been just a little dollhouse, I and mean, then you know something yeah. that any of us could have sketched as a child. And but that thing being off like that, you're right. It just holds you. A bit of, so yeah. can you imagine trying to tell your client you're going to do that on a new project? <laughs> yeah, 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 very few people. Most you know how clients are. They know, yeah, we like. Yeah, they, we had amazing out. clients. Yeah, yeah they um, just kind of went with us on the journey, they and um, they were they were up for it. But um, phenomenal clients as well. Yeah, well, that's that thing, isn't it? Like we were saying before, you know, it the the client makes that journey because it you're not doing the house for you, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's not your house. It's you're never going to live there, or maybe you might live there one day, but you're never going to live there. Um, you know, it, it's not your house. I say that when I said um, you're never going to live there. Uh, you'd be familiar with uh, Australian architect Glenn Merkett. Yes. Yeah. Usually yeah. Americans are because they study Glenn, and um, Glenn lives in a in a house he designed for a client. So he designed a house many years ago for a client. And then years later, he bought the house from them. Um, and so he actually lives in one of his own homes, but it wasn't designed for him. That's funny. Good. It, I, it, I, I, there's a couple I could do. I, yeah. Has he changed it at all? No. If I, any no. Oh, he, he changed some a, a few little internal things, but just... Mm -hmm. um, like he rearranged the fireplace, I think it was, and maybe some of the water storage. He just upgraded some of that, maybe shift, shifted a little bit. But no, it, it is as he pretty much did it for them. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful, I've been to the home. It's an amazing home. It's very simple. Of course, it's paired back. Um, but when it was done you know, years ago, it would have been cutting edge, like in its thinking at least. And even now it is like you see plenty of people who go there. You've got to be invited obviously by Glenn to go, but you'll see plenty of people who, who get to go there um, in the architectural world, just marvel at the simplicity. So one of the things I noticed in it 
is um, we would be far more generous with our hallways now. And that would be similar to something like this home where you'd be far more generous with space than they were then. Because back when that was built, that was probably a long walk to town. And, um, it, you know, it was an outer suburb almost, you know, you, you either lived right in the, in the downtown or it was an outer suburb almost. And then it would have been built with, you know, enough money to get it built at the time, just like everybody, you know, they would have spent probably all their budget and a little more. Um, and then you go, it, it was built of those times, you know, like people were riding horses, you know, horse and buggy. They weren't driving cars time yeah yeah so i think that you know when you take a home that's really old like this and, and you do that to it it's fantastic so tell me a bit about the um that journey of marrying the back and, and when you first presented those kind of ideas to the clients and uh did they kind of give you one of those long hard stares like I don't know this is going to float or were, were they just excited and go oh, oh yeah you know i think they, they just really went with it. I think it was so beyond what they thought they could do that they didn't really know how quite to challenge it. Uh, you know, we were able to park underneath the building, which solved a huge problem. Yeah. So that was that speaking to that parent beam and the advantage of that structural system allowed us and we, we to, lift it. To, to lift it. Well, actually we went down a little bit because we couldn't move the finished floor elevation. It so had to stay constant. Right. We, went under it and kept pushing, kept pushing and, and created that parking underneath that. Okay. So that problem is solved. And we have alley access. Well, alleys in Austin, Texas are very rare. And there's a lot of communities like Denver, Colorado, yeah. where many, many homes are laid out with alleys. And, I, I, and, you know, as a community, it's actually a beautiful idea, but it takes a lot of land, it, a different subject. Anyway, I wanted to take that alley access. I'm like, we have one. I'm going to make something. We'll use it. Yeah. So we created a, a second entrance. So there's a second parking in the back off of the alley, which is one of my favorite spaces so that she can park there and Dan and his things can be underneath the front of the building in the main garage. But it also works out beautifully. They love to entertain. And so the caterers can work from the back carport off the alley and the house is designed to receive those people uh, you know, doing right. that. Cooking, yeah. Uh, parking so it does more than just park the car. So it's it's halfway in between uh, the main level and the the lower level, oh, and okay. it's close. Yeah, it's close to the utility room, which also doubles as a catering access because it it's adjacent to the kitchen. So yeah, it's fabulous. really seamless. So when we had the homes tour and mm -hmm. we had the party, what's it called? We had, yeah, we were awarded the VIP party last year for the homes tour. So we had you know, a bunch of catering, the van parked in the back and they yeah. just walked on through and the guests didn't even see the caterers. They never noticed the caterers even sort of being there. So it did what, it, you know, sometimes you just go, oh, that really worked and that was fun. It was nice to see it in action. Yeah, it oh, yeah that is. Yeah, yeah, see it in action. There's so much topographic change from the front to the back, we, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that made it even that much more interesting. Yeah. And, yeah, and as it comes out and that corner develops, we were able to. We had to build some retaining walls there to hold the pool in place on the side of this sure. slippery hill. Well, back behind that was a beautiful space, so it became uh, the exercise room on a lower level with its own private terrace and a beautiful view of the city. And so, just a great place to get on your bike or do yoga. Uh, yeah, just to just to be. Yeah. Um, one of the. One of the photos you sent me was a, a massive collection of um, life magazines and uh, beautifully shot through a transparent wine cellar. Tell me yes. about the life magazines, because this is, this is very client centric, I'm guessing. Um, very client, well, it's a good story. The lady, the poor lady who lived there maybe kept a few more things than she should have, you know, right. You know, old furniture and, magazines and she think you know that she held on to them and so when after she left and we're kind of clearing things out sylvia found all the magazines and all these beautiful covers so they took boxes of boxes of them edited down to those 12 or 15 covers or so mm -hmm. and then have them printed to glass so that the actual you can even and left the mailing labels on 
And so, you know, they're really of that place. And it just made an unbelievable art installation. And I so love supercharged it. that back stairwell that just really just goes down to the parking area. And it's perfect exactly for that stairwell. We just had a blank wall, right? Sure. A double height space going down to the garage and having that wine room right there, that wine display yeah. and having a glass on both sides, we were able to relate to that stairwell all the way from the dining room. So that journey from the parking up on a daily basis is just a beautiful, simple, oh, room, yeah. simple little stairwell, but just a, you know, you pause and you look and then you turn and then there's the wine and the light comes through and all of a sudden this isn't just a little stairwell to the basement anymore. Yeah, well, you've made magic in a in a space that was a utility space, I suppose, or more utility. Um, certainly, made all the magic. spaces, yeah. all the spaces have to be touched with care. I, that, that's actually another really good point to make. I think um, you know, it, once it's within the walls, and if, even if it's not, if it's in the garden as well, but that's landscape. But it, once it's within the walls, everything deserves its attention. You know that 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 laser-like attention to be put to it, to go, what can this just be? It can never just be a room. It can never, there's, there's always something that can be added in emotional depth. And, you know, for them, they walk past all those um, time lives and they remember all her life that went with that and a history of years and years and years. I suppose they were lucky that it was her, her that was there, not her husband, because otherwise it might have had all Playboys or something on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> a different group We're of, not sure. Those yeah. colors could have been beautiful yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it. You know, you don't have to spend you know all kinds of money to make those spaces. You know, something special. It doesn't. You just don't have to just throw money at it. You can think about it a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't much to take a wine cellar and go. We'll replace the back wall of the wine cellar with instead of beautiful cabinetry. We'll just use glass. Yeah. It, it's yeah. not really you know, that much of a leap in terms of dollars to make it, you know, sort of more unique all the way around. Yeah. And it, it also creates a, a distance journey within the house. There's a view on a view, but internally, you know, as opposed to just externally, because in that home, I imagine it would be very easy just to get caught up on what it's looking at and, you know, transition you straight to looking at the, the city and out across the trees and stuff. Oh, you know, it's so beautiful. The the sunset, or the sun, uh, sun sunrise comes on in and you can see all the colors on that glass in the morning. You can it's see the just, reflection of the city in the it's pool. It's beautiful. Right? Oh, wow. So it's a mirror, yeah. the wind is protected from the wind and it's just a mirror. Mm -hmm. And you literally can see the city in the, in the reflection in the pool. That's it's fabulous. Like a pond in the mountains. And did you know you were going to get that, or was that a happy, uh, a happy accident? Not an accident, but a happy outcome. I am cool like that, thinking what, what's you know, how, what's the light going to do when it strikes it? Certainly, you know. Yeah. We don't want to be blinded by that, but the fact that the water goes still and it became, you know, a mirror. No, but we knew we wanted it still. We designed the pool so that the water came all the way flush with the patio. With, with the lip, yeah. Because we we knew we wanted that tranquility of that beautiful little simple water element. Yeah. It is a beautiful pool. Like it is a stunning pool. I always think that a pool's got, you know, multiple purposes, probably the swimming part of it's further down the track, but it's a, it's a big water feature to start with. And here, because um, where I live, uh, we don't get quite the heat that you get, but we're we still get humidity and stuff, but we use it. We, we use it as less reliant, less reliance on air conditioning, so that we can use that evaporation and drag it through the house as well. But we we set our windows and doors up differently. But then it's a water feature, firstly, and at night it's a, a water feature as well because it changes so dramatically at night when it's lit, versus during the day when it's not lit. You know, like it's um, it and it. Yeah, a pool, I mean, most houses here have them where I live, um, but it's that, that sort of, you know, earth, fire and water as a mixture just is always beautiful. And like in your structure there, where you've got those big pieces of steel as well, you know, like the house is held up and it's got that beautiful openness of the glass, but you've got this sort of strength in the steel 
in what's a very open structure. Yeah, it looks really fabulous. Looks really, really fabulous. Uh, I, I particularly love this kitchen as well. Tell me about that. You know what's so beautiful about that kitchen? So, okay, so the house is, you know, okay, it's transformed, right, outside. And, and so when you enter the house, you come through the front door, which is the original side lights and transom reconditioned. And you enter into that house in its original format was a central corridor house that had about a seven, eight foot wide court that ran all the way front to back. Right, like a dog trot. Very much like a dog trot. Very, you know, classic way to build an old Texas house. So we kept it. We brought the outside materials in, which we love to do. Yeah, The designer did a beautiful job on selecting the color. But when you come through the front door, you're still very much in that 1920s, early 1900s home. And then you go through a rather thick opening and then it changes. And They've had people come to the house for a party who had seen the house from the city, drive up in front of it, turn around and turn around and leave. <laughs> the house that I saw from downtown. Uh, Dan has to call him back. No, no, you're, you're, no, no, you're in the right anyway, place. It's not the road above or below. Yeah. It's, this, it's this one. <laughs> that really thick opening, the ceiling height jumps to 14 feet. Yeah. Because I think it's probably the same in your world. I think sky is so much about the house, the view. And to get with that big, broad overhang, uh-huh. you, you got to get some height. Um, and so when you walk in, you're looking straight at the kitchen. So we put, oh, we kept that kitchen really simple and really beautiful. And the hard, heavy lifting part of the kitchen, the, the cleaning and the storage and the yeah. toaster, all is in the secondary kitchen off to the side. Yeah. So the, Main kitchen just stays, you know, more urban loft, very, very, mm-hmm. very much like a condo downtown. So very clean, very simple, and it's a, you know it's a very simple concept. It's, it's uh, but sometimes I think we thought about it, and and you would think, well, well, maybe you should have been looking at the living room. But when you live it, when you turn and you experience and you see the view, then it all comes. Together. They love to cook, right? So they're there cooking, looking directly right. at the Capitol. Yeah. And they're looking at the TV, the fireplace. They can see yeah. all. Yeah. And the front door. Yeah. So they're greeting the guest and come on in. And so uh, it, it, I think it worked just beautifully. And then we compressed it again af- after the kitchen to access the, pi- the private spaces of the home. Yeah. The ceilings come down. So uh, it's very make it feel great. make it feel a little more intimate and um, it, again shift that energy of the journey. Yeah, something that I love that we just blew up that central corridor into a big old room. It yeah, it's really that simple. Something that I really um, took from one of my first trips to Austin um, was the great separation of the private spaces that so often happens in homes there. Um, so that kind of when you, you know, there'd be guest area and stuff. And then kind of when you leave to go to where the family sleep, you leave to go where the family sleeps. You know, there's a lot of homes that are really beautifully executed that way. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that. And, but we still want you to have your space. You know, it's Texas. Everybody needs their space. And so you got to don't let people do what they're going to do. And, and, yeah. You know, and I think, especially for them, it's just the two of them. And, the reason that bedroom is where it is is because the view from there to the Capitol and they went to university of Texas and you can see the tower. And oh, that's wow. where, where it is. Yeah. Right. And it's actually cantilevering over the yoga porch below over the exercise room. So it's literally floating out. Wow. It's downtown. Sensational. Sensational. Um, when you were, Obviously, the the Life magazines that um, they were like a, a beautiful little find. Um, I was I was talking to somebody a little while back about little finds and houses, and um, there's another text, and he was saying, "Oh, we found this uh, in one of the rooms. There was wood paneling, and when we removed uh, some of the things, or we might have cleaned it back or something, we could see where certain things had hung." that uh, the, the wood paneling had, you know, discolored because of it. And so we were able to actually find some of those things and put them back uh, <laughs> where they were. Yeah. So it was like pretty cool. Um, with, with a house like that where you found there would have been treasures all over the place. 
um, and as in amongst a lot of rubbish. Um, what were some of the other little journeys that if somebody was to go to the house, is there anywhere where you would say, yeah, well, as you go through, you know, take about 10 paces and then look to your left really carefully and you might just notice this, something that you had to do a workaround or something like that. Is there anything like that in there? So maybe in the basement, a little bit in the basement, but, uh, you know, it was a shiplap. The, side, the sheeting was all shiplap. Right. Uh, that we took off, but mm -hmm. we reclaimed it. So we did. But that little sort of, what is that? There was a mantle, an old fireplace and a mantle that was part of the original house that we kept. Yeah. Along with the living room light fixture. And then we repurposed it. So when you go to the powder room, you say, you know, when you're in there, be sure you pay particular attention to what you're looking at. And the whole base is on that mantle. It was cut down and the yeah. vanity, it now serves as the vanity. It serves as the base for the vanity. The light fixture is reconditioned. It's hanging. The powder room was in the living room. It might have been in the foyer. But, you know, and we kind of left it a little imperfect little thing. But you don't yeah. tell them. You just try to get them to figure out what that was. Um, I love that. So there are some little gems, some little pieces of the building that have some history that, that we're, we're able to stay. And, we, you know, maybe we should have just used it as the mantle in its original intended purpose, but it just wasn't the right size yeah. or shape. Yeah. I didn't want to tear it apart. So anyway, it, it, I thought it was a nice way to. I think that's always really special, you know, is, is when you take, a piece of something that uh, has been, you know, hundred years or more, and um, and can just, you know, repurpose it. I'm trying to think what they what they call it when it's in clothing. You know, anyway, it's not recycle, but it's like upcycle it. Upcycle. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. You have to ask the young person. Yeah, upcycle. Yeah, Emily's all right. over it. Yeah, leaving us to dead. Yeah, I am. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a word for that. Um, what do those kids call it? Um, yeah, but that upcycling of something like that, um, yeah, it just takes a journey as well. And it's one of those little things, as you say, it's not shouted about. It's just a lovely hidden piece of the architecture. And, and the home, original owner loved that piece. And she was very quite proud of it. I think it, there's a story that it came from a remodel out of the Driscoll Hotel so one of the wow. oldest hotels in Boston that's still there. Um, which hotel cool. was it? The Driscoll. Which oh, the is Driscoll. Yeah, yeah, I know the Driscoll. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every yeah. Driscoll. Uh, great first, music, great movie. My first hotel I ever went to in Austin, um, other than like the Holiday Inn where I stayed, was um, <laughs> was on my first ever trip there was uh, the Driscoll. And friends of mine who um, who from Australia who travel around that, that whole region a fair bit, they're sort of in the farming kind of community. They were like, just go to the Driscoll, just get yourself to the Driscoll. And I walked in and went, oh, I couldn't believe how great it was. Yeah. And if, you know, so if, it's a, if it's a piece of history that's traveled that far, you go, how amazing is that? Yeah. So it's a, a lot of story about that. So, you know, it's kind of nice to have that little bit of a, yeah. So I've got another question about this particular house because you got to do, you got to play this modern, um, very beautiful, simple modern structure off the back of a very classic old home or cottage. Um, if you'd been allowed to put a bulldozer through the lot, what would have you done? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a great question because we asked ourselves that question. You know, we're saying, ah, you know, we're, we're architects. And so, you know, I don't know. It, it might have been a mistake. It would have been a mistake. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, then we need to have been another modern house in a traditional neighborhood. Now we're another modern house in a traditional neighborhood in a very special way, in a very unique way. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it was a win. And I would, you know, obviously all of us would have scraped it. It would have saved us time yeah. and money. And uh, we could have done whatever we wanted. But, uh, I think we got a richer project because we left it. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the other thing we did, which I love is we looked at it and we knew right, I knew right away. I wanted it white. I wanted everything white. Yeah. Yeah. Classic colorful cottage. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll make the addition, you know, just beautiful integral color mm -hmm. trowel 
white stucco so that it doesn't too, too much of a departure from at least in terms of color. And it needed to relate to the... In its own manner. I love, you know, like, uh, where was I? I? I was in Austin. I'm trying to think which house I was in. A few years ago on one of the tours and there was a home... Um, it might have been David, um, oh, goodness, what's his name? Anyway, he did it. David yeah, Weber. David Weber, and he did that house that had the beautiful wood very front similar. and then big and big and modern out yeah. there. Yes, very similar. Yeah. Yes. So I was very good architect, David Weber. Oh, yeah, he's so, fantastic. Yeah, yeah really. Great I must actually yeah. get him on the podcast because he is, he's an awesome guy. Um, I actually, he might go to, um, he might Wait. end up with, sorry, I missed that. That, that his house is just on the street from yeah. Clark. Residence. Yeah, it's not far. Yeah. Um, he might end up in the, uh, at the Texas Society. Uh, he often goes to that as well. So I might even see him in Wyoming. Um, with that house, it's one of those things where I, I had somebody who was walking around, you know, near me when I was walking through and um, I, I was marveling at just how beautifully he'd played it out and, you know, with those big skylights and stuff and the way he put it all together, I was just marveling at it. And this person was saying, I don't get it. I don't get that there's this old structure here and then there's this big modern thing here. And it's like, I can't get my head around it, you know, and all this. And anyway, I ended up bumping into them a few times and I, I stopped and I said to them, have you ever been to London? And they were like, no, um, they hadn't. And I said, well, one of the things you really get to enjoy in London is that you've got all these preserved historic homes that are row houses, you know, sort of old Victorian to Georgian row houses. And, you know, they basically had a long drop toilet in the back. And uh, that was, you know, the back of them was just pure utility. And they've got a whole garden out there because nobody used that garden. And um, nowadays, you know, this, what you've done here is really very common, or it has been for more than 30 years, really common to take something that's very traditional and then put something that's very untraditional on the back of it and do this, these fabulous transitions. And it's like a transition in lifestyle. Um, and, you know, everything from the interior architecture of the doors and windows internally changes dramatically as the journey goes along they tend to live in more segregated homes there you know that the areas aren't as open just because of the heating and you know, it's easier to manage but um no it's a beautiful job you guys have done beautiful beautiful job so i've got a question which is not necessarily to do with that home um i love this question because uh i don't ask it of everybody but i'm going to ask it of you too and you can answer it separately. Um, and Emily, I'm going to make you go first on this question. <laughs> so that Jim's got time to think on it. No, thank you. I need that time. And, and there's an age thing going on here. You know, like, <laughs> so Emily, your next project's your last project. You can never do another one. This is it. You are done and dusted, baby. It's Benito. There will never be another Benito. architectural project by you. What do you choose to do? Um, I'm working on a really cool project right now. Can I can I talk about this project? If it's the last one, you were, if, 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 <laughs> if, if Jim said, you're fired, your ass is out of here, and you're never to practice Sayonara. again, you can never do architecture again, choose that one. He could say there is one that you can just choose anyone, but let's go with that. <laughs> it just happens to be the one I'm working on now and um, can't divulge too much. It's not even on our website yet. But um, there's a new community out in Driftwood. I don't know if you you know about all that. A little and bit, not really. Yeah. Great, great area. So, you know, again, we mentioned great clients make great projects. Uh -huh. And these are some some amazing clients and they've really pushed us along the way and they have a great art collection. The art is really driving the design and, you know, so not everything can be glass. We've got to put some walls in here. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, yeah. Just, <laughs> right. hang, can't just hang them over the windows. 
uninterrupted, but um, so, so this is one of those, I guess what you could say legacy homes is how we're designing it. Yeah. And um, it's been, it's been a ton of fun. And, and like I said, the, the clients are just wonderful to work with um, just similar to the sharp, to the Clarksville project. And um, I think that really influences, you know, how I feel about the project as well. Sure. So it's when it comes out, you know, it, it's an art piece. It's going to be a real art piece in, in the land. Emily likes that architecture as art concept. I think that she might have a chance here. Yeah. I, I, I actually can relate to that as well. You know, you're going to put a blot on the landscape and that's what you're going to do regardless. So you're going to put a blot on the landscape. And if it can um, obviously you know, speak well or, or relate well to the landscape, which it must do, that's kind of like just a given. Then what can it add to the landscape um, about its purpose or about its feelings, about how it, so it emotionally attaches you to something, you know, like that Clarksville home emotionally attaches you to history, to um, values, to, you know, the wide porches and stuff like that for the, the old-fashioned values it's a simpler time and all that and then it also takes you on a journey to something else so I think that it's really important to well not always sometimes you know you could hide the architecture it doesn't matter but if there's the opportunity then let it do its have its voice let it have its voice yeah you, you know, you've got to make a little bit of a statement there and people yeah. will react to it however they're going to react yeah you know well and considered and thoughtful statement but statement nonetheless. Oh, I see quite a few that aren't so considered and thoughtful, but yeah, oh, I'm with we you. See as well. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah. it happens. But you know, it all takes a team. Like on the Clarksville project, we had a yeah. great team, great interior designer, Taylor Klaus of Love County um, interior design, and the builder Wes Wigington and Kevin Emmons, project manager of Foursquare. Great. Oh yeah, Foursquare. Kevin yeah. did a great job. And, you know, the landscape architect, David Wilson, he did great too. You know, we also have lighting designers. We have mechanical engineers. There's a whole team behind us that structural makes this engineer. happen. The structural engineer, I mean, to make this project happen, Simon Lovano, oh. um, they did phenomenal. But in um, the, the project that I just talked to you about, we're working with, with, you know, another amazing team. So it's not just us, right? You've got to have a good group around you. But uh, I think we set the tone. And then we have to get, you know, all those consultants kind of I always, going the I always think of it like a movie. There's somebody who writes the script and there's somebody who um, directs how that script will be performed, you know, and, and how the story will be seen. And uh, I think that nature and the client write the script and then, you know, you're more the director that actually decides how all these elements get put together to make the journey and the emotions and the, the plays for the people. Um, and, and it's a unique story because it's the unique story of the client. You have to get all the actors in the same boat together. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? <laughs> yeah, there is the client part. So, yeah. You know, so, so, Jim, this is it. Got to hang your yeah. head up. What's it going to be? What would you choose to do if it was uh, the one last project? Yeah. It could be anything. You know, the problem is it's already done. The dad come thing's already done. I think it's, you know, my favorite piece of architecture is falling water. Yeah. And I, you know, I know it's cliche and people love or hate, frankly, right? But, you know, if you haven't been there, go there. I've been. Uh, uh, yep. So everybody listening, if you haven't been there, Seriously, just whether you love it or hate it, put it on your list because experiencing it is something phenomenal. Especially when you're there and you're considering the year that it was designed. Uh -huh. So, uh, but got, can I ask so a question said, about that? Can I ask a question uh -huh. about that? So Frank Lloyd Wright, prolific architect, incredible, you know, like legacy that he left. There's only one falling water in his whole collection. There's prairie houses. There's, you know, Sonian houses. There's all these things. There's one 
falling water, like one marble out of the bag that <laughs> didn't match all the others, and yet it became, well, it is probably the world's most famous house. What's your thoughts on how that happened? Like, where did no. that come from? Was it just, did he have a hangover? Or was he, like, you know, high on weed or something? What made it happen? Ego check. I think he responded to the site. Well, but we're playing yeah. with the new material, right? Yeah. We're playing with concrete. Yeah. Reinforced concrete. And, you know, there's no putting gargoyles on buildings when this guy's designing falling water. So he is out of his mind. And and we're going to can, I mean, even doing it today, and I'm going to cantilever that concrete. Yeah. And I'm going to run. I don't care if the water, you know, if it gets wet, it gets wet. And, and you know, whatever probably work in the modern world of today, but it just is. So, I mean, it's almost crumbling into the, to its site and it's been carefully restored over the years, but it just is how it was done in the spaces you experience them individually and each one and from afar and from across the creek and under the, and on top of the hill. It's just, uh, uh, you know, it, it's really something. It's, it is the, you no, know, I can get lucky, but, um, you know, it's already conflicted with the client. It, it's just uh, a special spot, you know, and then so if I have to do my last one, you know, well, it's going to be that. But, um, you know, I might go backwards. I might do like, I've always loved it, and it's Texas, and it's burning hot here. And I, I might just build the world's best hacienda. I, I really would oh, just wow. go back and do an unbelievable hacienda. They'd give yeah. me a raw piece of dirt and let me just do a hacienda. Where He's been talking about this for a while. So yeah. You pop through those gates, and it is a, you know, a transformative experience. That oh, I yeah. So it's, you know, it's was it pay sticking the sticking the little triangle in the, the courtyard of the Louvre you know it's yeah. just yeah love it or hate it it's a strike of genius but you talk about a global conversation about architecture and just same thing I want you to pop in what would have been the courtyard of the Louvre or through the hacienda door and then and then uh, and then it trans it's uh, not what you expected not what you expect I think that would be sensational would be sensational like I um I have a real affinity with that sort of hacienda type thing, um, uh, you know, like uh, the guys at Dust, you know, from from Tucson and um, and Rick, you know, um, just those that whole kind of feel that they do and stuff. I is something it must be a past life experience or something like that or one I'm about to have. But yeah, hurry up and get that thing done so I can have that experience, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. That was fantastic. I mean, really so fun. Yeah. I'm you so excited. You got a gift. Yeah. You got a gift for this. You're really good at getting people to sort of, you know, chat about what they do without It's not hard you know, to get passionate people to talk about things they're passionate about. I'll just say that much. It, oh, thank you. It, you know, like something that you pour so much energy soul and heart into to create um with so much thought like people have no idea like well the thought might come easy because of who you are and what you've done and your experience and your history but the the considered thought for some for another human being is such high empathy like it's extreme empathy um and then it's empathy for the landscape it's empathy for all those things so Usually when I'm talking to people, you know, it's a beautiful journey. It's, it, it is because of the fact that there's so much that can, that comes from it. Now, it's been an absolute pleasure. Our pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, looking forward. I might um, just see what days I'm going to be in Austin, but if, um, yeah, maybe the drink, maybe the, yeah, maybe, maybe Driscoll for the drink. I usually try yeah. to go to Falling Water every year or two. I try to go. We're going yeah. to take the whole firm and go. A number of us haven't been. So, uh, yeah, I think um, that it's um, it's just so phenomenal that um, you could you can visit it a million times and you would find something new every time. Yeah, because it's every time of the year. Go at a different time. Yeah, you go back. Go at a different time. I've got a good friend who um, he says he's no fan of um, Frank Lloyd Wright. He's an architect. He's no fan of Frank Lloyd Wright. And he goes, you know how is that guy like this and i'm like what do you mean how is that guy and he's like 
he takes the hole and the rock that they like to swim on and sit in and the sun, and he builds a damn house on it. Arrogant son of a bitch. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> but the rock is still there, and the people are still sitting on it. And they're it's still the, swimming in the hole. So, they're still yeah. swimming from it, yeah, right out of the That's good. So thank there. you again, guys. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, you now come see us. We'll okay. go to Driscoll. Absolutely. The Driscoll for sure. The Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, if it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking say three questions and this is called takeaway selling so this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you it's almost like imagine if you had some hot ch chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them you put them in front of them, someone and then they went to reach out and then you you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you it's that type of thing so this is called takeaway selling so the first question you ask you say well why don't you just leave the situation as it is why why make the change that's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will. by the act